Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 23. Bonus episode, New Year's Special, Home by Another Way. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where David, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we are eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. However, today is a special episode to mark the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. Hurrah! Yeah. (laughs) And some of you might be wondering whether or not you've missed an episode. Because if you look in your podcast app, You'll see episode 21, episode 23, but no episode 22. But Is that like a missed floor? Is that like floor 13 on the elevators? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, it's not an error. We did this on purpose. Uh, as Matt mentioned in episode 21, we were putting together a special episode, a Christmas present of sorts, for our Patreon supporters, and that was episode 22. And in that episode, each of us read a small portion of a Lewis work, and then spoke a little bit about why it's important to us. So if you'd like to know what we said, support us on Patreon, and we'll send you a link. Yeah, and and just as a reminder, we talk about this from time to time, but we never take a step back and and remind and let you guys know, but we those who support us at the second level or higher get to join a Slack community that David and I uh, mention, but it's just so incredible. I am amazed with what that's turned into. I'm amazed at the people, the comments, the blessings, the prayers, the scripture verses, the, the- theological books. I mean, it's just blown my mind where that has gone. And so we, we, the help is, is is greatly appreciated. We love it. It's allowed us to take this ministry to the next level. And so if you guys feel called, we would love to have you support us on Patreon. Well, and I love this. Uh, I love the community. I haven't been able to poke my head in nearly as much as I can, but I get the little dings on my phone all the time. And sometimes I, <laughs> I throw in a little lob and, and it's wonderful to see you all chatting about Lewis. Um, uh, in fact, that was, uh, we're recording this episode just a few days after the death of Walter Hooper. And I know that we'll mention him later in the podcast, but um, the last time I sat with Walter, I said, Walter, what can I do? What can I do? And he said, just keep putting Lewis in front of people. And I think that's a fine way to, to follow his legacy. And I love the way that the Slack community does that. Not only looking at Lewis, but looking along Lewis and, uh, and <laughs> seeing all the things that, uh, that open up when you read him thoughtfully. Well said. Well, this is interesting. Listeners, we've just had a new person join this call. I believe it's writer, speaker, and teacher Christine Ditchfield Lazo who also happens to be the wife of Andrew Lazo, co-host from Pints with Jack. What are you doing, Eddie? How did you get this invite? <laughs> well, I'm here to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> this is a happy birthday for you, Andrew. Oh, <laughs> I can see where you're confused. Today's episode will come out on your actual birthday. Oh, <laughs> he's like, what is going on? <laughs> That's why she was putting on makeup. <laughs> Best day ever. <laughs> Happy birthday, honey. Andrew, is this your 35th birthday? 
This is my 35th birthday for the 20th time. Oh, wow. <laughs> there are now spaces that I get to park in that you all don't get to park in. So, <laughs> Plus, we get free meals like everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Let's go to Denny's, honey. I'll put in my teeth. <laughs> Where's my walker? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, Kristen, for popping in. And we'll look forward to seeing you, hopefully, at the end of this season when we can draw on your Narnia knowledge to talk to us about the silver chair. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. Bless you. Nice to meet you. You all are sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we've got that done, we may now carry on with today's episode. So, as Matt mentioned, this is a special episode, and like our Christmas special, we're not going to be working our way through a particular Lewis book, although I'm sure he'll come up, most likely. (laughs) We're doing a special episode to mark the new year, and our transition from the dumpster fire, which was 2020, to the year of promise and rainbows and fluffy kittens, <laughs> which is 2021. Hey, can, we, can we say you, you say dumpster fire of 2020? I actually just saw today, and I thought it was so beautiful, online a video that's going viral of the first UPS and first FedEx truck leaving the uh, Pfizer plant actually here in Kalamazoo. It's 45 minutes outside my door delivering the first vaccines, which is so incredible. Like what a gift that to, to be able to put us in a better position in 2021 from this pandemic and to finally have conquered it. So it's kind of a cool day today as we record this. I, I almost got tears and a, a sense of pride is, is that was happening and a sense of hope and excitement. I love that you mentioned that, Matt, and I love that that's starting to happen. And I also love the way that Lewis kind of chucks us under the chin. Um, Yes, it's been in some ways a terrible year, but in some ways it's been a fantastic year. And I think that even the pandemic and moving to Zoom has allowed so many churches to become so much more nimble. Um, The church that I attend down here in Sarasota has actually grown in membership from people who will never move to Florida. And there are ways that I've been able to connect with people um, that I wouldn't have before. I know it's the death of snow days for everybody for the rest of their lives because there's now no reason to cancel school. Um, But I think that it would be perhaps a little too hasty to just say, oh, 2020 was terrible and let's dismiss it all. Certainly, while we had an epidemic, it wasn't plague. Um, and there have been worse years, and God is not done. Um, God is yes. always moving through history. This this year didn't catch him by surprise, and uh, I think that he plans to bear much fruit with some of the seeds that are planted, and I, I'm grateful for the, the way the three of us can kind of participate that to, to some degree, too. And later in this episode, we will be looking back at 2020 and looking at some of the good things that happened. Yes. And although this is a special episode... We've still got to do our standard episode segments, but today I'm going to mix up the order a little bit. The quote of the week, we're going to do that first, and it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country, by another way. While this episode is being published during the Christmas season, depending on your denomination's liturgical calendar, Epiphany and the Coming of the Wise Men is on the horizon, so we just thought that we would celebrate it a little early, and it also gave me an excuse to make the song of the week Home by Another Way by James Taylor. 
it's it's one of my favorite songs of his just because it's just so cute i love that song actually there's like three degrees of separation between me and james taylor and us actually please explain so james taylor plays an olsen guitar jim olsen is a janitor was a janitor in uh in saint paul minnesota who was also a woodworker and he began making guitars and he really came to fame uh, by making guitars for Phil Keggy, who is, of course, the man who introduced me to C.S. Lewis's adult work. And so there we are. Every time you see James Taylor playing a guitar, it's a beautiful <laughs> Olsen guitar. I've actually uh, been in his shop, and it's, uh, he makes these beautiful instruments. And, and I'm so glad, David, that you brought this song up. I love this song. <laughs> you know, James Taylor is one of my favorites, actually. He was the first record I got when I got a record player last year. And so as much as we all love to throw him out under breast for his Taylor Swift love, I do have some other quality tastes. I just like Taylor's. Some other Taylors that you like. <laughs> yeah, I like Taylor's in general. If you could see James Taylor and Taylor Swift playing Taylor's, you would just be the happiest man. Oh, that would be both sides of my personality all in one. I have actually seen James Taylor in concert, and he was, he was wonderful. Oh, my goodness. For a man that's been playing lots of the same songs for decades— there was so much improvisation and variation on very, very well-known songs. It was, it was delightful. You know, having traveled with a musician, and actually I saw James Taylor in Nashville, and um, Phil and Bernadette Keggy were at that show too. Um, yeah, that incredible energy, and he did, what, two and a half or three hours. And how many times has he played, you know... Fire and rain. <laughs> or you've got a friend, all of that. And having traveled with a musician to, to make it fresh night after night, um, that's the real courage and accomplishment when you're out there on the road. And yeah, I agree with you, he did. And he surrounds himself with such amazing musicians. Mm. And this this song in particular, I just adore it because... In the song, James Taylor, he sings about how after meeting the Christ child, the wise men go home, but they go home another way. Mm. And so what he's doing is he's teasing out from the literal sense of scripture, just that they went by a different route so as to avoid King Herod. He's teasing out the moral sense that encountering Jesus should result in a new way of living. So I just wanted to read a little bit of the lyrics, just in case somebody hasn't heard this song before. Oh, fantastic. Those magic men, the magi, some people call them wise, or oriental, even kings. Well, anyway, those guys. They visited with Jesus. They sure enjoyed their stay. Then warned in a dream of King Herod's scheme, they went home by another way. Yes, they went home by another way. Home by another way. Maybe me and you can be wise guys too and go home by another way. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> You know, next time when I start running the podcast uh, for our Christmas episode next year, maybe we can do a song by Bruce Coburn called The Cry of a Tiny Babe. Um, and he's got a line in there. It wasn't to the palace that the Christ child comes, but to shepherds and street people, hookers and bums. And so that's, that's our company uh, right there. <laughs> love, that, love that song, David. Yeah. Well, I'll drink to that. Uh, <laughs> since this is New Year, we just have free reign. Everybody gets to drink whatever it is that they want to drink. So needless to say, I'm drinking Lagavulin. Uh -huh. uh, Matt, Andrew, what are you going for? I uh, didn't look at the notes again ahead of time, so I didn't realize we were <gasps> picking everything. Sorry, so. sorry, hang on, hang on. You've got to give me a moment to just recover from that <laughs> shot. <laughs> All right, you may continue. I'm, I'm drinking So I, I'm drinking for my advent calendar again, so it's a fresh one. <laughs> it's called Tamdu. Mm. Uh, it's a 12-year-age single malt. And from the notes that I had read, it's very, very fruity. Hmm. Well, I am 
about 800 miles away from my collections of scotch. I brought the, the box that Matt sent me at the beginning of the season. And I decided, even though we'll probably do this one all together, um, I, I decided to try the Klein Elish, mm. uh, the 14-year-old. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour it right here. Let's see. Maybe you can hear it. <laughs> have you ever had this before? I have not. All right. Oh, that's real pouring. That wasn't a sound affecting. <laughs> and it was as generous as it sounded. <laughs> <laughs> this tamdu is very fruity smelling. Oh. I have to tell you, I, uh, I pulled out the Cull Ela and pulled out my Pints with Jack pint glass. I left my scotches at home, but I brought my Pints with, glass, pints with Jack <laughs> glass. And when I finished my semester at VTS, I uh, pushed submit on my paper and I poured myself a dram and toasted you all in the end of this semester. Yeah, congrats. That was Friday, right? Friday was your last day? Uh, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Plus, but I still have more in my second seminary. And remind us, is Cole, is Cole Ila your favorite Koila? Koila, yeah, I, I think that's my, I've, I've had some really wonderful ones. The one that I have that you sent me isn't my favorite of those, but, um, mm-hmm. but I've had some really good ones. Um, had one with Malcolm Geit. I think it was, a, was it a 16? Yeah, it was a 16 on the, the night of the Memorial Stone in November 2013. Well, let's take a sip, guys. Ooh, that is fruity. Lagavulin is as beautiful and smoky as I ever remember. <laughs> this is not smoky, but this uh, Klein Elish has got a nice full body, and it's a little, little oily and um, a nice slow finish. I'm going to try a drop of water in there because the chemistry expert said I should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying this. It's definitely fruity. It's definitely moderate on the palate. It's it's medium length and it's got a, I very much am loving the texture of oily scotches. Yeah. And so this has got that oiliness to it. It just it leaves a slipperiness on your tongue and your back of your throat. Mmm. Oh, the drop of water does it again. It makes it all butterscotchy and it and it <laughs> mellows out the finish and, and just makes it more robust. I should start writing these books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're mostly creative writing. Just random metaphors and foods that that doesn't taste anything like at all Uh, but we do need a toast from you andrew and as you mentioned walter hooper recently passed away this was c.s lewis's secretary and champion for the last 50 years absolutely yeah Uh, he met lewis the summer of 1963 and um, he was a, a a native of north carolina reedsville north carolina uh, as I've mentioned, I'm sure before, attended Virginia Theological Seminary, my seminary, for a couple of years in the 50s. Uh, got to know Lewis, moved to Oxford to kind of, um, had planned to go and work with Lewis, and Lewis passed away while he was tidying up his affairs in the States. But uh, did affect a move to Oxford, and from the death of Lewis on, was custodian of uh, literary uh, and advisor to literary advisor to the Lewis estate, and put out so many of Lewis's books. But he also, I've been struck by how social media flooded with pictures of people with Walter Hooper, and he always had that same kind of staid expression, <laughs> um, much like Lewis. Not good at having his photograph taken. No, not very. Uh, but so many people had moments with Walter, and I was always stunned and expected that he would always, always expected him to say no. But every time um, I was coming to to the UK, um, Walter always had time. Um, one time, I the only time he had for me during 2013, right after the Memorial Stone, because he was 
uh, in such uh, great demand. Um, he said, well, the only time I can, we can spend together is if you come to High Mass, High Latin Mass at St. Aloysius at the Oratory. And so I, uh, I did. And he signed a booklet for me that he had written, and it was my favorite inscription. It said, for Andrew Lazo, from his friend Walter Hooper. <laughs> um, just a kind person who devoted his life to the furthering of an excellent legacy. And uh, so uh, our toast today, if you'll raise your glasses, is to Walter Hooper. Uh, may he rest in peace and pray for us. Cheers to Walter. Cheers. Cheers. Now, as both of you said, 2020 wasn't a complete dumpster fire. So let's look back on that year, this season so far, and yeah, just chat about books we've written, things that we've done in our lives, things that we've enjoyed in this podcast, favorite episodes. Mm. Is there anything anybody would like to kick us off with? Matt, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yes. Um, 2020... In great part because of Lewis and because of the screw tape letters and this podcast and honestly the law of undulation, but a lot of what we've learned in the screw tape letters has really helped me. It was a tough year, just emotionally, spiritually, all of that with COVID. And I know there's tons of people who are listening to this who know this. But I kind of look at it as 2020 is somewhat like the darkest, the, the night is darkest before the dawn. Mm. And that was like one thing that came to my mind because what I liked about that is it, it ends with the dawn and going into 2021 with that excitement, that hope. And it was easy to look at 2020 as a setback, but instead because of the law of undulation and because of Lewis so much focusing on obedience, it actually gave me some clarity of how I look back at 2020. As God's, as David said in, was it letter eight or nine? He goes, is God taking off the training wheels and now he wants you to ride without them? And I felt the training wheels were the feeling, the community that I had, all these things that were making the spiritual life quite easy. It all felt good. I was crushing it. I had the community around me. And now it's like he's, he's trying to develop that obedience without the feeling. Mm -hmm. and teaching me that I need to work on that more. And so I've, I've just, I've looked at it as a lot of lessons. And so it's taught me the power of his grace. It's taught me my own weakness. If we think of Lewis from mere Christianity, when he says, you give it everything you got. And then once you fail, you throw up your hands and you say, I need you. Like that's kind of what 2020 was. <laughs> and I'm excited to now understand what I need to work on. Hmm. And so, and it's also really increased my faith and my conviction in many senses. So it was a tough year. There were setbacks. Spiritual disciplines were lost. I mean, I was when I went in 2020, I was close to practically daily mass every day and daily rosary. And you know, pretty much if you added up an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half of like spiritual practices. And then it got to a point where there was like none. Mm. <laughs> and, now, and now there's 15, 20, 30 minutes, and I get a couple daily masses in a week, which is, which is helpful and trying to keep those. But then there's other nights where you're just like, I should do this. I have nothing else to do. But you know what? I'm just going to do nothing. And your laziness, your philosophiness kicks in. So this is what I mean by teaching myself to be obedient despite how I feel and just working on that and asking for God's grace in that. Mm. Well, I love what Lewis says in Mere Christianity about um, when we are intending to walk, he's pleased even with our stumbles. 
and thankful, Matt, for grace operative in your life, that, that your sanctification is something that he's doing in you. Um, I, and I love that you participate as best you can. And yes, the law of undulations, high and low. Um, but uh, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And I'm also so encouraged in that Philippians verse that he says, you won't do it until the day of Christ. And so uh, if we're still screwing up, it means that he's not, uh, that it's not the day of Christ yet. And some, somehow that <laughs> screw up even, that, that human nature that keeps crowding in, the sin that so easily besets, uh, is a sign that we're still alive and still in the, in the round. We're still in the process. So God bless you at the end of this year and at the beginning of this, this coming one. Um, and thank you for your honesty about all of that. I just, I've loved getting to know you this year. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I want to get us t-shirts that says, please be patient with me. Jesus isn't finished yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, can I get that on the front and the back? Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's a comforting little bit of doctrine, that if you're screwing up, you're doing it right. Um, it means that God's work isn't, isn't yet perfected, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that he hasn't given up on any of us. What about you, Andrew? Oh my goodness. Um, been a great year. I frankly have, have loved, uh, especially joining this podcast officially. Um, and I hope that you all will continue to have me and I can think of a dozen reasons why you wouldn't, but, um, uh, Kristen, whenever I make a, uh, whenever I make a commitment to a new Lewis thing, she says, are you sure? Is this really how you want to spend your time? Because with my personality type, I think there's always plenty of time for everything. Um, mm -hmm. but it's been deeply rewarding. In fact, um, we're, it's a new year's episode, but we, uh, we're recording it, uh, a week and a half before Christmas. Last night, my family did their annual Christmas show. The Ditchfield Family Singers have a, a Christmas concert they do every year. And somebody stopped me. He's like, you're Andrew from the Pines <laughs> with Jack podcast. And I listen to that all the time. And man, I'm so loving it. And it's helping me go so deep. So I'm really grateful for uh, not only doing uh, the Till We Have Faces episode, but for stepping up with you all um, and having just a marvelous time with that reading lots of stuff, of course, with seminary, two seminaries. Uh, but uh, one of the highlights, I just got new vestments. So I got priest shirts that were custom made for me in England from Whipple. And I got uh, a cassock. That's that black robe that Father Brown wears in the, in the, in the series. And that also was custom made for me. I, and I realized that when I get ordained as a priest, you know, in maybe a couple of years, I'll probably be wearing one of those documents or one of those garments and also have been seeing in the last year how it's not only the studies or the clothes that make the priest, but finding myself thinking in more priestly ways and being in situations where uh, maybe I have a chance to be pastoral. And that's as surprising to me as it probably is to any of your listeners who know me. But, um, but it feels like I'm moving into this vocation and taking up new tools and finding opportunities to use them. And 2020 has been a marvelous year for that. Well, you have, you have very soothing, calming, inspiring, authentic words, voice, language, I'm not even sure what is the right way to put it, but you have a, you'll be, I'm so excited for when you become a priest and, and all that's completed because you're going to be so good at it. You have the natural ability, mm -hmm. just the way you speak. I always love to say when people speak words of life into or edifying words, and you definitely do that. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, well, thank you. That's kind of you to say. And I'm assuming that when you say this cassock was custom-made, I'm assuming it's got custom pockets for you to keep your copy of Mere Christianity till we have faces. <laughs> you know, it can, you can have the entire Lewis corpus surrounding you like the armor of God. Hey, I've got it locked safely in here. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I regret not doing this. They had optional cuffs. They were an extra $42, and I couldn't come up with it. But they's, they've got these cuffs that actually act as pockets, so you can put stuff in there. Uh, so, yeah, no, I've got pockets, and I've got just the flask for them. Um, <laughs> so David, we should rewrite that verse in Scripture that's the breastplate, the sword, this, and write it with Lewis works. Make it a Lewis edition. Exactly. That, that actually, the, the armor of God, uh, that would be a great project. Maybe we should throw that out to the Slack community. Which of Lewis's books is the breastplate of righteousness? And which is the... Um, the feet shod with the gospel of peace. Yeah, that would be a fun project. Well, it would have to be the helmet of Till We Have Faces with veil, optional extra. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, because if you agree that it's his, it's his, uh, his best book, that is salvation. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Andrew. You know, my, best, my favorite quote of Lewis is that I'm sure I read before, but it never struck me, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh, it was from... From Letters to Malcolm, I didn't come across it. Somebody somebody tossed it out there, and I, I glommed onto it as I do. I steal from the best and then call it my own. Um, he says, The truth is I haven't any language weak enough to depict the weakness of my spiritual life. If I weakened it enough, it would cease to be language at all, as when you try to turn the gas ring a little lower still and it merely goes out. This is Lewis in late in his life talking about the weakness of his own spiritual life. Um, and so I'm struck, uh, Matt, as you talk about your struggles, and we all face our humanity and our weakness and all the rest of it, um, that Lewis too passed through that valley as well. Um, and, and that's comforting. And it's especially comforting to know that it doesn't depend on me. Yes. <laughs> I'm learning that slowly. <laughs> Actually, over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading for the first time Letters to an American Lady. Mm. And it starts off, you know, it's fun, it's fine, it's just a little bit of correspondence. But Lewis's letters writing about death in the final quarter of that book, phenomenal stuff. Mm-hmm. He says uh, something like, the train is about to leave the station. It's all rather solemn fun, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I, I think that he got that attitude from from Saint Francis, who didn't didn't he call it brother death? Yes, brother death of the body. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wonderful. What about you, David? Highlights of the year, things you've been thinking about? Well, I would have to say getting married was near the top, at least. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, no, getting getting married was fantastic. Uh, getting married during COVID time was. A challenge, and mm -hmm. uh, it was it was very good at getting priorities straight. Mm. Which I pray anyone who gets married from here on in, they will at least speak to at least one person who got married during COVID. Because even though I haven't been married for very long, I think getting married during in this time it does give you a very clear sense of what is necessary and everything else that's an optional extra that's nice to have. But yeah, getting married has been fantastic. Uh, now living with my best friend is awesome. Mm. Oh, it's just so much more convenient, you know. <laughs> if I want to chat in the middle of the night, she's right there. I can wake her up. And, you know, after <laughs> uh, after I put some tea underneath her nose, it's like, hey, I just had this idea. Um, so that's been fantastic. 
probably a lot less driving involved. Much less driving. It's far more convenient. Uh, and uh, oh, my, one of my great achievements for the podcast. We are now on all the social media. And when I say all, I mean we now have a MySpace page. <laughs> How did this come about? I remember yeah. when you said that. I'm like, what What prompted David to create a MySpace page? Tell us more. It was in the episode on I Love to Laugh where Lewis speaks, well, Screwtape speaks about humor. And I had my guest co-hosts, Adam and Dave from the Catholic Man Show. And I think it was Adam one day, just out of sheer boredom, he went and created them a Catholic Man Show MySpace page. And I felt challenged. It's like, well, I'm not going to be outdone by them. So <laughs> as soon as I finished that interview, I went to MySpace, signed us up. I've uploaded a few pictures. I'm not sure what else you can actually do on MySpace anymore, but but we're there. That's fantastic. <laughs> Imagine being the person who created MySpace and realizing you were so close to the, the multi-hundred billion dollar idea that Facebook ended up becoming, but you just... <laughs> miss it somehow well <laughs> tom the myspace guy right yeah tom didn't <laughs> do too close. badly he's not a poor man <laughs> but at, at the same time yes i know what you mean although since there's a great deal of pushback at the moment on the main social media sites people are trying to move from twitter to parlor and people moving from facebook some of them go to MeWe. i actually think no everybody should be going back to myspace you know let's, <laughs> let's go back to where all this began yeah well, i'm excited for this other achievement here, David. This is a big one. This is an exciting one because we haven't really announced it. No, we haven't. Unless you've done it when I haven't been on a recording. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. No, the other thing that happened is that there's now a Pints with Chesterton podcast. Hooray! So what happened was Grace is one of our Patreon supporters. And on the Slack channel, obviously, Chesterton comes up every now and again. And on one of the episodes, you, Matt, had mentioned that you had bought the name Pints with Chesterton and Pints with Augustine. And Grace got all excited, and she then started messaging my wife, saying, we need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, about at the time that we're putting this out, about a month ago, they recorded and published their first episode. So it's a slightly different format. Whereas we typically go through chapter by chapter, they're taking story by story, mostly, say, with the Father Brown stories, mm -hmm. taking an hour episode to talk about one of them. And they're going to take several episodes to talk through Cheston's longer work, things like uh, Man Alive, Orthodoxy, The Everlasting Man. So they're going to take some more time with that. But it's it's really nice. And it, it's lovely to have a certain level of involvement in a podcast, but not have to do any of the recording myself. <laughs> so when it comes down to my phone, it's like, yay, I have an episode to listen to. Yeah. Plus, it also means I've now taught my wife how to do editing. So if ever I need some pints of Jack work done, I now know where I can go. <laughs> <laughs> it, she, they did a phenomenal job. Mm. And I was so impressed with that first episode. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to the second one yet. It was so good. And Listeners, this is all part of my master vision, my master plan uh, that not even David knows about. But we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna eventually have the Pints Podcasts Network. Ooh. We'll have a Pints with Chesterton, Pints with Jack, Pints with Augustine. Yes, I own the rights to that too. And uh, you better register Pints with Tolkien right now. <laughs> that's a great call. I didn't do that, dude. Um, there's a tea with Tolkien. There's some others out there, so I don't want to sure. I don't want to step on their ground. Um, well, that was the funny thing about Chesterton. I could think of one podcast, Uncommon Sense, done by Del Alquist, who we had on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. it's amazing for somebody that is as popular as Chesterton, there actually really isn't much of a podcast presence. 
Mm. And Andrew, be careful with your desire to continue coming on here because my plan is to eventually have you replace me so I can go do pints with Augustine. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Just marry well and have your wife do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what David did. Life goals for 2021, Matt. You hear that? Right now. This is your New Year's resolution. Hey, Catholic ladies. <laughs> any, any Catholic ladies that are Augustine scholars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, oh, I, I think that's marvelous stuff. And uh, I, I can reach out to Kevin Belmonte, um, who, of course, did uh, Quotable Chesterton and um, Surprising Joy, I think is, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a couple of books on, on, on Chesterton. He's a marvelous, marvelous guy and a friend from conferences and things like that. So... Uh, I'm not committing him, but yeah. That Joy book, I hadn't seen it until about two weeks ago, but I bought it for Marie for Christmas. So she will, Mm -hmm. well, when this comes out, she'll have got it a week ago. But at the time of recording, she's going to get it in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And and Kevin is just a marvelous guy. I owe him a note, but a a wonderful guy and, and has done some marvelous writing. He wrote actually the biography of Wilberforce that became the basis for the movie Amazing Grace. Ah. Um, and so uh, just, yeah, wonderful, wonderful people. So, Speaking of books, mm-hmm. what have people's favorite reads been this year? Lewis or non-Lewis? Hmm. Honestly, this wasn't a year of lots of new books. I went back to some old classics. My, I reread Beneath the Scarlet Sky, one of my favorite books of all time, and I reread The Name of the Wind. Oh, love that book. Oh, it's so good. So in the second one, I don't remember the name of the second one, but uh, in, in anticipation of the third one, hopefully coming out soon. But one's fiction, one's historical fiction. And between that and a lot of the Lewis stuff we've been doing, I haven't done much. That was part of my thing of just in COVID, bad habits developed. I started watching TV. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, it's easy. I think I've sold way more books than I've read. Um, <laughs> I've bought way more books than I've read. <laughs> That's great. Oh, by the way, um, if it's New Year's Eve, this comes out. No, it comes out on my birthday. So Paul Grave Macmillan is uh, an academic press, and their books are normally $90, $100. Uh, but their hardbacks are all nineteen ninety nine right now. Uh, through the end of the year. And they've got a number of Lewis and Tolkien titles, so it's worth picking up those scholarly books. Um, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm reading all the time, um, but uh, I haven't done a ton of pleasure reading. Um, and so, I mean, seminary books kind of don't count, but a couple of, of seminary books kind of grabbed a hold of me and leaped off of the academic shelf and won't get packed up and put down in the basement. Uh, and one of those... Uh, is Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited. Very old book. Um, Martin Luther King had a copy in his briefcase. I mean, this has got a huge legacy. And he grapples with issues of race and the gospel. And he says, what happens to a person whose back is up against a wall? And he talks about fear and anger and rage, and but he also ends on love. And he's a minister and, and a, a believer in the gospel, but, a, but also one looking clearly at some of the difficult issues. And that was a book that has really kind of grabbed a hold of me. Um, another that I read along those lines was Sarah Coakley's book, God, Sexuality, and the Self. Uh, she's a, a major uh, Anglican theologian, um, went, to, went to school with Rowan Williams, um, was, I think, a Harvard professor and Cambridge and all the rest. Um, but she's, in this book of, of systematic theology, she's looking at the role of desire and even sexual desire 
in the contemplative worship of the Trinity. So her book is, an, is a, is a book-length essay on the Trinity. And about a quarter of the way through, I realized when she's talking about sexual desire, that's exactly what Lewis is calling love. And so I wrote a, a paper that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into a chapter of a book on joy and longing and the role of longing in theology. And so those are a couple that really uh, jumped out at me. And then Malcolm Geit wrote this amazing series of quatrains, quarantine quatrains, kind of uh, modeled after the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam and uh, put out a limited edition illustrated by a painter friend of his. And so I got one of those numbered copies and it's really delicious poetry. And Malcolm, of course, is, is steadfast and stalwart and, and so reliable. As we're speaking, he's about to release a book on David's, uh, uh, on the Psalms called David's Harp. Uh, so those are kind of my fun reads uh, for this year. Wonderful. Well, and to save face a little, a little bit, I forgot Les Mis. Oh. We talked about that a lot in the podcast. Yeah. That was kind of an accomplishment. That was a, a big book and dense, and I, I really loved it. I mean, I wrote some blog posts on it. It was, I really just fell in love with Jean Valjean and his character, and I, I felt it reminded me so much of Henry Nouwen's book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, in mm. that journey of the lost person to in the father's arm mm-hmm. to then showing that fatherly love to others. It was just a beautiful book, so mm. I, I guess I did. Yeah, read well, something. and that's a big book. To wade <laughs> it took through. a while. <laughs> so, you know, my my lady wife is getting her doctorate in spiritual formation, but her topic is now and so maybe pints with Henry uh, is oh. in her future. Does she know? Has she ever read Ruth Haley Barton? I'm not sure. She's read everything. She reads, gosh, she reads, I think, 60 books a year or something. She puts me to shame, but that's not hard to do. (laughs) Wow. Well, David, what about you? Yeah, I can't quite say 60, but uh, I have had a good reading year. I've read a bunch of Chesterton because, you know, it's 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 on the other nightstand, so it's going to migrate over to mine periodically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also read Tolkien and the Great War by John Garth. Marvelous. That was really good. And I had started reading The Silmarillion and I stalled. And finishing that book has made me determined to read it at the beginning of 2021. Because I think I would appreciate so many more of the references. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of spiritual books, I read Francis Chang's Letters to the Church. I had read His Crazy Love before and Matt and I had spoken about it on the podcast. And that was beautiful. And Letters to the Church is really good because it walks a very fine line it's from the heart of someone who looks at the church and sees where we fall short but he repeats again and again it's like the job of this book isn't for you to go to your pastor and complain the job of this book is to inspire you to go out and be christ's hands and feet be the church Mm -hmm. and minister to those who we keep missing another book that i read was everywhere present and it's a line from the the eastern liturgy everywhere present and filling all things when speaking about God. And it's written by Father Stephen Freeman. And his main point is that we live as though we live in a two-story universe, like there's the secular and there's the sacred. And he says, no, God is everywhere present and filling all things. He's basically trying to get us to reconsider our worldview, where we see God, you know, not just squirreling him away at church, but being able to see him in nature, in our friends, to see him everywhere present and filling all things. Wow, that's fantastic. 
Um, plans to read. What do you all plan to read? I've actually been asked to read, uh, to do a book review on Dorothy and Jack by Gina Alfonso mm-hmm. and uh, Splendor in the Dark, the annotated dimer. And so those are on my stand and, uh, and have plans to read. What about early in the year? What plans do you guys have? I have a lot of books that I have bought that were Christian theological books I haven't done yet. So I have a number of those. Uh, but I would say the main thing that I really want to read, or the main two, is Augustine. I took a course on him, and I want to reread some of the stuff, particularly on the Trinity. After hearing Callistos Ware talk about how Trinitarian theology was so important for Lewis and being drawn up into that love and that dynamic pulsating, as Lewis says, if he can be so bold dance that's mm-hmm. happening of the Trinity and we get sucked up into that, I want to understand that better. And when I first read his book on the Holy Trinity, I'm in college. I don't know near as much. So I want to reapproach that. And then I really want to reapproach Chesterton along with the Pints with Chesterton podcast. I've, I've got a three-part volume of his, his St. Francis one, the two that he did on saints or something. Yeah, there's Aquinas and Francis. There's the two biographies you write. Yep. And then I've got his Everlasting Man, his Orthodoxy. So I want to start reading those again. I would also suggest picking up The Innocence of Father Brown, because I know the girls are doing at least three episodes on those stories. Mm. Okay. For myself, I mentioned The Silmarillion, and that's going to be a big undertaking, because, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to read. Also, actually, this past year, I read Out of the Silent Planet again. I enjoyed it much more the second time. Got to say that. Mm. And I have not yet read Perilandra. Oh, so that's going on my bookcase as soon as we've finished reading it in our local book club, because the plan is to restart in January and we're going to do Out of the Silent Planet. And then once we've done that, once we've once I've reread it a few more times and we've discussed it to death, then it'll be time for me to read the sequel. Well, I have uh, let's see, I can show you this much of it. Um, I have a manuscript uh, that I've been reading and um, planning to finish that up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but that's the only thing I can tell you about it. But I can pull the veil back once a few more announcements have been made. But I'm honored to be able to read this manuscript and, uh, and it'll be of interest to us and to our listeners in the, uh, in the coming, coming months and years. Oh, I'm intrigued. Yes, I look forward to you revealing your face. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Uh, one other thing I thought would be kind of nice to just be to share some of the messages that we've had from listeners and share a couple of iTunes reviews. I was tempted to leave this until the end of the season, but this is quite a long season, so we might be going for a while and building up quite a quite a backlog. One tweet that I saw fairly recently, uh, her name is Elizabeth. I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Fuslay. Mm. But she tweeted this, I see you, Father, trying a little sneaky sneak using Clive to tell us the story of C.S. Lewis's life during your homily without revealing who it was. Was it just me muttering at the back of the church, it's Jack? Who could say? I am too loyal of a Pints with Jack listener to fool for your traps. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Actually, just, what was it now? Probably two months ago. I went to mass. I was out in the desert. It was just a house mass that was happening. And the, the priest, I felt him gearing up towards talking about the argument from desire. And mm-hmm. uh, Zainzucht, 
Uh, and I could just feel Marie's eyes just looking at me. It's like, I'm not going to respond. <laughs> not going to respond. Uh, although it was rather perfect that I was wearing a Pints with Jack t-shirt at the time. Yeah. One thing that did warm my heart. A few episodes ago, I shared some haikus that I wrote when I was 10 or 11 years old, when one of my old teachers contacted my mother saying that she had found these and wanted to share them. And they were haikus which was beautifully appropriate considering in season two, I gave a haiku summary each week. <laughs> well, one of our listeners, Joel Horbacher, he wrote that he was inspired by listening to our season two and he got his middle school students to write haikus in their class. So all of those students, if you ever listen to this, you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I am sorry. By the way, I owe, I think it was Rowdy who asked, um, and you forwarded the messages on to me, and it was one of those that just kind of flashed across my email. Somebody asked me for a more detailed discussion of the Anscombe debate and all of that. It was Francis. And Oh, Francis, okay. Um, so my apologies. I haven't had the time or the wherewithal to kind of dig really deeply in. Jerry Root is the guy to go to for that. Um, and maybe uh, when we do miracles, I'll, uh, I'll roll up my sleeves and, and jump in. But Jerry's point on that is that, um, that uh, Lewis, of course, had this debate with Elizabeth Anscombe. She argued about um, one of his philosophical arguments. She herself, a Catholic scholar, kind of trounced Lewis. He went back and revised chapter three of miracles. But um, some people point to that as kind of the end of Lewis. Uh, kind of doing apologetic work um, in in his writing or overt apologetics, and I don't know enough enough about philosophy to and apologetics to to really address some of that. But uh, but I owe a listener a, a a reply, and so when we get around to miracles, I promise I'll roll up my sleeves and dig all the way into it. I think it was primarily related to Lewis's use of causality because that was her specialty. That was her wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And she, she pulled him up on technical grounds because he was a little sloppy with his language. Uh, and I actually sent Francis a link to a recent All About Jack podcast episode oh. when William replayed the interview that he had with Walter Hooper. And Hooper went, goes into that in a little bit more detail. And he yeah, said wonderful. that they, they really tried to play it off as the Christian man gets beaten by this feminist skipping over the fact that she was, I think, mother of seven, you know, <laughs> maybe she's Catholic, who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that it, that it was very much overplayed. And, yeah, and, and Jerry, I think his point was that Lewis is not all disturbed and, and, and bothered by it. But we also have to remember that his philosophical work was, was him kind of working out of his field, you know, out of obedience. And it was, he, he loved the cultural apologetics, I think, um, the indirect theology, as he calls it in a later letter. So anyway, all of that, a rabbit trail about a, me not responding to a listener with deep apologies. Well, we also had a message from Justin Patton uh, just saying that he was grateful for the work that we were doing. And he's often thought about making Lewis's nonfiction more accessible to modern people and particularly teens because he, he does a lot of work with them. So I, I sent him the video series that Matt and I did oof, back in season one when we uh, basically broke down some of the key ideas in mere Christianity. Uh, but uh, well done, Justin, for bringing the next generation, schooling them in Lewis. We need that to happen. <laughs> uh, why don't we read a couple of iTunes reviews? Um, Matt, do you want to do the first one that says my favorite podcast? Yes. 
I was told by David that I had to write a review in between season three and four. So wait, you could coerce this person, David? Well, if you remember on our final episode of season three, I said that we were going to take a few weeks off, but I gave people homework in the meantime. So rather than, you know, sitting around complaining that there isn't an episode this week, go and write a review. Okay, good. I'm not sure if this is a friend you twisted their arm. I'm like, well, now this no, is the strangers, strangers that I've been coercing. <laughs> so here it goes. Thank you, Matt and David. Andrew, he wrote this before you started. No worries. Um, for being such wonderful reading partners and really helping me get even more out of the Lewis. Incredible. That's for Matt. Works. You have tackled some of my most beloved. Mm. And we will tackle many more, God willing. <laughs> Absolutely. Shall I read the next one? Go for it. So I got a five-star review. The title was Great. Great podcast. I've never been particularly religious. I wasn't brought up in the church, but recently I have embarked on a journey of spiritual exploration. I love the hosts and their interactions, and they are great guides as I read the work of CS, works of C.S. Lewis. Well, God bless you for not only for that review, but for your willingness and your humility and your honesty to explore some of the things that weren't part of your background, and, uh, and we, we pray that you find light upon your, uh, upon your journey as you go. So what a wonderful review. <laughs> it was lovely, isn't it? And if you have any questions, don't feel free or feel free. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> feel free to uh, shoot us an email at contact at pintsandjack.com. Absolutely. We love to, we, I've, we've all been on this journey ourselves and we've all probably had different books, different resources, different things that helped us. And so I think any of us would be happy to share any of our experiences or resources. And there's one more listener email that I just wanted to read out. I have some other things that I want us to discuss before we wrap things up. Uh, but this message was from Kim. First, I would like to thank you guys for creating a great podcast. I love C.S. Lewis. And your, with your podcast, I love his books even more. I found you this year and I finished the book Till We Have Faces while listening to your episodes. I wouldn't have survived the book without you. Thanks so much. My sister, who listens to you also, just sent me one of your Pints with Jack t-shirts. Love it excellent advert for our lovely t-shirts why restrict buying gifts for people just at christmas it's the new year kick things off right she goes on and says i was wondering if you plan to offer a sweatshirt for your viewers who live in colder climates during the winter i would love to be able to promote your channel snuggled in one of those during our colder months thanks again for all you do cheers that is a fantastic question We've spoken about increasing our merchandising a little bit, and a sweatshirt is definitely one of the items that we've talked about. So maybe if we get a little bit of a little bit of time, uh, we'll have a sweatshirt. And the other one I really want to do is a coffee mug. Yes, you know, it's like a really nice one. Yes, I want a ball cap for sure, and I just want to see Matt wrapped up in a pint with Jack Snuggie. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Notre Dame Snuggie. <laughs> How did I know this? How how could I have guessed? (laughs) That is so me. You already know me too well, Andrew. (laughs) Well, I'm grateful that uh, I'm grateful, Kim, that you survived till we have faces. Here's a cheers to you for that. Yes. (laughs) And and to all the listeners who have sent us emails directly, who have left reviews, we actually read every single one of them. We have a section we store them all, and we do that because it's just it's so nourishing. It's edifying. We. When you do a ministry like this, it's beautiful to hear how people are receiving it. And so we want to thank all of you guys for doing that. And it's such a blessing to us to hear from you guys. And it makes it feel even more like a community. So 
genuinely thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to write in. Absolutely. Well, and it fulfills the biblical mandate in the book of Galatians. It says you should share with, share with the teacher the good things that you've gotten. And um, as a person who's about to embark on a career that has, uh, as a review, nice sermon, nice sermon, great sermon, good sermon, <laughs> nice sermon. <laughs> you're never really quite sure how you're doing. And um, I would always encourage um, my, my students, if they had a great teacher or whatever, to, to just put a note in the email because we get lots of the other ones, um, at least as teachers. And, and so thankful that you would take the time thoughtfully to put your, uh, put your comments down. And we find that just a real encouragement. We do it out of great love. It's such a joy just to do it with these two guys. But to, to find that um, whether it's the Slack channel or the Patreon supporters or just these reviews and emails, to find that it's connecting is, is just such a joy. It, when I first kind of came upon the Lewis community, I went to the Wade Center and I started talking about Lewis and I realized that they knew Lewis and it was a native language for them as it was for me. And it was this, such a feeling of not being alone anymore. <laughs> uh, what you too. And, uh, and yes, we too. And, and we, we so enjoy you all um, putting your notes in. Now, a couple of years ago when Matt and I first started this podcast, for our first Christmas episode, we shared with the listeners our family's Christmas and New Year's traditions. So since you've joined the podcast, I, I would want to know, does your family, either when you were growing up or now with your lovely wife, do you have any particular Christmas or New Year's traditions? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, growing up, um, not a whole lot. We weren't a church-going family, so that wasn't ever really part of it. But we uh, we were allowed to open stockings um, uh, first thing in the morning before anybody was awake. But we never did presents until everybody was sitting down. And, of course, we had uh, the onerous thank you note list. Uh. And so you couldn't open a present until mom was writing down the, the what you got. And, dear Aunt Kathy, thank you for the socks again. I love they will be very useful. Much love, you know. That was the worst thing about Christmas. I'm going to write the <laughs> thank you notes afterwards. <laughs> um, my wife's family, uh, my wife's father was born in Canada and uh, doesn't really like the climate. Loves the climate down here in Florida. Loves the heat, loves the humidity, loves the sun. It just suits him uh, all the way down to the ground. He's a great golfer. Um, and so, uh, and he loves Christmas. And so the family singing group has got a Christmas concert and, uh, we did that this, this last weekend. So that's always something fun to look forward to. In fact, I say that my father-in-law is the opposite of the white witch with him. It's never winter and always Christmas <laughs> down here in Florida. So it's been a joy to be welcomed into that family. Uh, they're all big Tolkien fans, and so we can uh, we can be sure of a good present, uh, Tolkien-related present. And we, it's like Santa's sleigh jackknives in the Ditchfield family home um, on Christmas morning. I mean, there's just piles of presents everywhere, and we all get our big laundry basket because we're going to need it. <laughs> and um, Dad reads the Christmas story, then we go around youngest to oldest to say what we're most thankful for. And then we just spend the next several hours, we fortified ourselves with breakfast. And I make, David, I make sausage rolls with Coleman's mustard. Oh, so good. Ah, uh, for that. Um, but then we go around one at a time and everybody in the family gives everybody else in the family a really good gift. And we just focus on that individual and 
And uh, it's just a marvelous, marvelous Christmas. So a couple of years ago, I introduced Christmas crackers, and we're yes. still digging some of the confetti out. Um, <laughs> the paper hats don't last, but the confetti just keeps giving. <laughs> and then last year, I started a new tradition with the family because they love Christmas so much. I'm like, look, I'm liturgical. We do the 12 days of Christmas. And when I was in Spain, you know, we didn't do presents on Christmas. You did presents on the Day of the Kings, on Epiphany, on 12th night, January 6th. So uh, last year, we tried out for the first time uh, doing a Twelfth Night party. And so we have a secret king, like Secret Santa. So you get to get presents for one person, uh, and then we keep the limit down low. And so it's a little bit more additional Christmas. And then we have a not a white elephant, but a white camel <laughs> gift exchange. And so on Twelfth Night, the family gets to get together and have just a little bit more Christmas on the twelfth day of Christmas. So those, those are a couple of things that we started recently. Wow, that sounds much more like my wife's family. Mm. They are a large family, and they do the same thing with the presents. And uh, the, I, I've noticed that families tend to fall into the matching pajamas kind of family and the non-matching pajamas family. Ooh. So now that I've got a ring on my finger, I figured I couldn't put it off any longer. So, <laughs> what kind of pajamas did you get for this year? Uh, I think I think they're plaid. Marie showed me a number of different options that she was thinking about. Some of which were Avengers inspired, oh. and some that were a little bit more traditional. So. We'll see. I'm, I'm pretty sure she went with the plaid in the end. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to keep all of those pictures off off the internet. I don't want, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I have a reputation to protect, you know? Absolutely. Well, we started a new tradition last Thanksgiving where we each ordered a t-shirt that had the ingredients and the, the nutritional content of our favorite item for Thanksgiving. Nice. And so turkey gravy and sweet potatoes and green bean casserole and we all showed up in our in our i think there were a dozen of us that had different uh, thanksgiving ingredients what about you matt well we will see my favorite one and i mentioned this to listeners our christmas eve is a blast we go to one of our grandparents side and the entire family and we're all very close the grandkids are it used to be santa hunting but the youngest grandchild is by Santa hunting, I mean finding. I'm not hunting like gone bow and arrow. <laughs> it's like We're the in America. We're in America here. You've got to be careful. The Hunger Games, <laughs> Nativity <is> Edition. <laughs> oh, you know those fake deer that you sometimes shoot? Yeah, we have some fake Santas. Now, so we, we, we get in a car, and I'm, one of, I'm the oldest grandchild. And when the youngest ones, we would go and look around like, oh, my goodness, there's Santa over there. Oh, there's Santa over there. And it was a blast, and you'd always figure out which ones lie because, oh, I think I saw him. And I remember there was one of my cousins that was very honest, and she would always be like, oh, I didn't see him. <laughs> and we'd use like a laser pointer sometimes to, to do it. One time, actually, we were going, and my grandpa was driving and looking and pointing, and all of a sudden rear-ended a parked car. And so on Christmas Eve, we had to go knock on the door, and he had to literally say, <laughs> I'm sorry, I ran into the back of your car searching for Santa. <laughs> and that person laughed. But the youngest grandchild is now beyond believing. But we have two little great-grandchildren, but they're two and one, so I don't know if we'll start it this year or, or keep it going with them, or do we wait until they get a little older? We'll see. Oh, my goodness. So we've looked back at 2020. We've read some lovely messages from listeners. We've heard about Andrew's Christmas traditions. 
I now wanted to look forward to 2021 and look at what that holds, both for us individually and collectively as a podcast. Does anyone have any particular goals that they're going for in 2021? <laughs> Obedience. You know, sometimes people choose a single word that they want to do. That's not me doing this, but trying to put it. It's what I've been learning in the screw tape letters. There's always one theme I really try to pull out and apply to my life, and it's obedience, act, even if you don't feel it, mm. and really working on that in the spiritual life mm. and hopefully seeing some of the fruits of that. So that's that's a big thing I'm looking forward to. And with the podcast, I'm just so excited because we still have so much more of the screw tape letters and this is such a popular book and it's just been going so well in the, the feedback we've been getting, the response, the growth of the podcast from a subscriber base has just been incredible, such a blessing. So I like to set big goals. I'm ready to double or triple that. <laughs> That's fantastic. We're going to the next level. We are going to the next level. <laughs> hey, Matt, a couple of things about that. My, uh, my wife, before I met her, every year would pick a word and then she would go on Etsy and have somebody design a ring for her with that word. And, uh, you know, sterling silver is pretty cheap to work with, and she would wear that every day of the year, and it would help her. Um, and in fact, when we were recording, she, had give, she gave me the ring um, from the year before, and uh, that's, what, that's what prompted me 17 days after I'd met her to ask, if, ask her if she would marry me. And so uh, that, that may be an idea if, uh, if, if you need some help with that. And, and the root of that word um, is to hear. And so it's not about duty. It's about really hearing the loving God who is calling you to walk in ways that will give you life. And so um, for me, that makes it a whole lot less drudgery to, to know that obey means to really hear my loving father and to walk in the way that he would have me go. I'm going to do this. I love this idea. Yeah, that's great. And by the way, hearing you say that you approached your wife in 17 days and, or 17, was it 17 days after meeting her you proposed? We were on a, a radio interview. Steve Elmore from the C.S. Lewis Foundation had to bow out. Um, we did a radio interview for, for uh, women in C.S. Lewis, and um, I was invited. Steve was invited. He had to bow out, and Kristen subbed in, and uh, that was December 5th of 2015. And then on December 23rd of 2015, I was in Florida to do some work uh, with Max McLean. And we met for coffee, and we started talking, and we haven't stopped talking since. <laughs> um, and then she came out to Houston, came and saw me teach at Houston Christian High School. And at the end of that week, just spontaneously, I asked if uh, asked her if she would marry me. And so it was 17 days after meeting, and so we got married on one seven seventeen. But uh, we warn our younger listeners that we we're not recommending that as marital advice. We took a whole year to get to know each other and to visit and to get to know each other's families. Um, but yeah, it was 17 days. And uh, that was what God, God had gifted us that, at that point. This is why I vote for The Four Loves to be our next book. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa I want to do it because, Andrew, your knowledge of love until we have faces and mm. unlocking it with that. And it's one of my favorite Lewis books outside of The Great Divorce. I just find it so beautiful. And mm -hmm. who better than Andrew Lazo to help us understand <laughs> love? And Matt needs to understand this better. Well, I'm not going to wise up and, uh, and, and, and realize that I've had enough of you all. I think this is a marvelous way to kind of keep my hand in the Lewis game. And I love what David does in designing the podcast and making it so easy for me. And so I'm, I'm around for a while. You don't have to worry about that. Good. Um, and I'm certainly game for the four loves. I think the first two chapters 
likings and love for the subhuman, the first two chapters are rough going. And so there's a, a fair bit of material in there. And of course, the recording of the four loves is actually a different talk than what actually became the book. So there's plenty there. Um, but I'm also looking forward to maybe, you know, maybe we'll start with a Narnia at some point. Well, we'll definitely be doing a Narnia book later this season. We'll be doing The Silver Chair, and we'll have your good lady wife. Yeah, my wife knew about that before I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's been a back channel for a little while now. I've been, I've, 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 I've been doing my planning. Okay, great. <laughs> David, we should say right now, listeners, whoever's hearing this, email in to us or tweet us or somehow get a hold of us, Instagram. And let's have people tell us what book they want to hear. I'd be curious if there'll be one that wins out. That'd be great. The The top ones in my mind are The Four Loves, mm-hmm. because that one actually follows on from Till We Have Faces. Uh, it's also reasonably short and substantial. You know, we're talking about love, like the best thing yes. in the world. So that's a good mm-hmm. one. I'm also strongly tempted by Surprise by Joy, because we'll then have the opportunity to tell Lewis's story. Because a lot of the times when we're talking about the books, we will allude to some biographical details of Lewis. And if we do Surprise by Joy, that'll give us an opportunity to do it justice properly, chapter by chapter, and then we can get on a whole load of biographers and other people who have written about Lewis's life. Um, so that's, that's, that's a definite contender. I'd love to do one of the science fiction ones. So Out of the Silent Planet is the obvious choice. Or maybe have a super short season five and go through The Abolition of Man. And I know Michael Ward is producing a new book related to that, so that might dovetail. So those are at least the top ones in my head. But yeah, if you are a listener and you have a strong opinion about what you think we should do, let us know. Well, and I wonder if um, I like the idea of Surprise by Joy. My wife doesn't like that book as much. My students struggled with it, and I think part of it... Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, and I think Lewis was, uh, was a little confused about what he was trying to do, but I think that um, when I transcribed early prose joy, I began to see that Lewis is kind of doing autobiography for all of his life. And so to see Surprised by Joy as part of this autobiographical arc that starts in 1919 with some of his war poetry and ends maybe even as late as A Grief Observed. Um, And the very last page of Surprised by Joy points to something other and outer, which is love. And so maybe we can plan up the next two years and do (laughs) Surprised by Joy followed by the four loves. I don't know. Um, but there's plenty of uh, plenty of material, and I'm I'm up for it. Whatever it is that we we decide on, and whatever the listeners want to hear. But before we get to that, we still have the rest of this season to go, and we've got at least two special months ahead of us. We'll be having a poetry month, and we'll have an Owen Barfield month. Mm. Owen Barfield, for those who are unaware, he was one of the Inklings, uh, and his stuff is a little challenging. Uh, but we've got some great guests coming on, including his grandson, yes. uh, to tell us about this guy and his writings. And the thing I keep coming back to, the more about the other Inklings that I read, is that Lewis stole liberally from them mm-hmm. and worked their ideas into his own works. And I think that's definitely true of Charles Williams. I think it's definitely true of Owen Barfield. And so just for myself, I'm really looking forward to that month to really try and wrap my head around some of the ideas that Barfield was playing with and that Lewis then stole and purified and maybe nudged over a little bit more into more traditional Christian orthodoxy. 
Well, here's a little teaser for listeners. Um, in the notebook that contained early prose joy, Walter let me um, let me see it when I visited his house at one point, and he photocopied some pages. And there is in Owen Barfield's hand an Owen Barfield original poem in Lewis's notebook that I transcribed and then sent to the Inklings collection at Azusa Pacific, and I've uh, had some conversation with, with Owen, the grandson, about that. And then Diana Glyer and Charlie Starr, recently at a Northwind uh, class, said that poetic diction is in some ways one of the real cornerstones of the Inklings. And uh, I haven't dived into that yet, so I'm looking forward to Owen Barfield Month for certain. And also Poetry Month, and we're having Malcolm Geit, someone that you've mentioned quite a bit recently. And you said he also wrote you a sonnet. No, I wrote a sonnet. Malcolm's been a friend for years, and so one Thanksgiving, Matt, it was actually the the month before I met Kristen, and I woke up on Thanksgiving morning feeling very lonely and alone. And trying to turn that sadness into Thanksgiving, I wrote a sonnet, which turned into kind of a, a, a blessing or a grace for the day. And I sent it out to Malcolm and to a couple of other friends, and they helped touch it up for me. And then I said, Malcolm, would you mind recording this? And he did. And so it was actually my words, but Malcolm recording it, which will make the phone book sound wonderful uh, in his voice. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that's what that was all about. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. We've looked back. We've looked forward. And now it's time to step into 2021. Listeners, Please find us on all of the social media. That means Facebook, Twitter, and now MySpace. Please <laughs> purchase Pints with Jack merchandise for your loved ones so they know that you really care. You know, words and heartfelt sentiments are good, but nothing really replaces stuff, you know? <laughs> wow, spoken like a true American. <laughs> and we would like to thank all of our top-tier supporters, Jeff, Chris, John, Kate, and Rowdy. Well, before we sign off, too, I'd like to offer a word of benediction, um, mostly because it's what I need most to hear and to follow. Um, And so I'll challenge our listeners, challenge my co-hosts, challenge myself, please, God. Let us busy ourselves in the coming days and months and year. Let us busy ourselves with love. Let's keep remembering to forget ourselves, to turn outward, to turn towards others and love them and love God. And mostly, let's spend this year focusing as much as we can, paying enormous attention to the unfathomable love that God has for each of us. Amen. 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 And friends, please join us next time when we'll be going further up and further in. Cheers. 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 Cheers.